you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs, and we're going to continue our series on rearing children for the glory of God. Raising children who serve the living God. There's no greater joy than that your children um, love the truth. And there's no greater joy when your children spread the truth and stand for the truth, as we're uh, looking in Jude uh, about that. The Bible says in 3 John verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So I want to uh, continue this series, and if you don't have children, you have a lot of children around here that you can minister to. We prayed for those two little boys that went through a terrible trauma last night, but was still in church and still received their Bible uh, in honor of uh, some loved ones that's passed on in our church in recent years, and um, I just felt for them, and I wanted to help them. Uh, any way I could, and the greatest way you can help them is to pour your life into them as Sunday school teachers and as master club leaders and as bus captains because you're the only hope they have if you point them to Jesus, and I know you will. But uh, Proverbs chapter 23, we started a class on these two verses, uh, or chapter 24, I'm sorry, chapter 24, I'll get back to 22 in just a minute. But look at verse 3 and 4, standing on the Word of God. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with precious and pleasant riches. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for wisdom. Looking at this world through your eyes. God, seeing sin through your eyes and seeing the scripture through your eyes. God, we thank you that you can give us wisdom that not comes not from this world as education, but God, you can give us knowledge and wisdom from above. And God, we pray that you'd give us the truth tonight and that you would help us, Lord, to let the truth set us free, set our children free, set our grandchildren free, set all those that we have an influence on and with, God, in our sphere of influence, and God, that we might help the next generation uh, be brought up to serve and love the living God is our prayer tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to have a peaceful and respectful attitude at home. Look at Proverbs chapter 15. I'll just read these verses because I preached on them a couple of Sunday nights. It says in chapter 15 of Proverbs, won't you look at this though, verse 16 through 18, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. It says you can't buy riches and you can't buy um, happiness and you can't buy joy, but you better is a little with the fear of the Lord. And better is a dinner of herbs uh, where love is than stalled ox and hatred therewith. I thought about this verse last night when I went to Vidalia, Georgia, and my cousin took me out to eat, and when they brought the steak out, it was this big. And I'm not kidding, it was that big. It was a T-bone steak. He bought it, so I enjoyed it. And uh, I split it with my wife. And I said, boy, that is a stalled ox if I've ever seen one. I think it's the whole ox. Amen. But I ate it joyfully. But look at this. Verse uh, 18. It says, a wrathful, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger pleases strife. Now, folks, life's too short for you to fuss and fight. Life's too short for you to have a trauma when you come home instead of the peace of God. And I want to tell you the key. The key is three things is that we need to realize is that we ought to have an atmosphere of the fear of the Lord and contentment. Uh, verse 18, 
we ought to have love, verse 17, uh, excuse me, verse 16, and verse 17, we ought to have love, and then we ought to have forgiveness. That's, that's simple, but it's, it's, it's practicing the presence of God. And last week, we preached on how to teach your children to fear God, to fear God. Not just fear you, but fear God. Let me give you a definition of fear in God. It's the continual awareness that I'm in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. And that every thought, word, action, and deed is open before Him and being judged by Him. Let me repeat that definition. That's a mouthful, but it ought to be a heartful. Because I want to tell you something. No greater joy to teach your children to fear God. If they just fear you, as soon as they turn 18, they're going wild. Amen. And they're going the opposite direction of an independent Baptist church. Let me tell you that right now. If they just fear you. If they just fear man. You know, if we had a video up here uh, next Friday of your life, and I mean, we followed you around with the, with, the, with the camera. I had Brother Cody just take that cam, uh, camera up there and just follow you around. Uh, your life, your, your, this week, you'd smile more, shake hands more, praise God more, uh, treat other people more, smile. I think some of you just be mean on purpose, amen. But no, you just, you just go overboard to witness. And then next Sunday night, we say, this is your life, Daryl Cox. And then we put it up there, and boy, you just did great all week. That's the fear of man. That's the fear of man. See, the fear of man is that you care what people think more than you care what God thinks. The fear of God is reverence in God. Now I want to say this. The greatest blessing a parent can have is to raise a God-fearing child. Can somebody say amen that's got children? The rest of you just say amen on purpose. Uh, just to fear God. Not fear the law. Not fear getting caught. Not fear men. But fear God. And so here's the definition of fear of God. The continual awareness that I'm in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. And that every thought, word, action, and deed is open before Him and is being judged by Him. And see, in other words... The fear of God is this. You believe God is. Amen. And that God is almighty. And that God is omnipresent. And I want to tell you something. The greatest blessing that you could ever have is a child that fears God. Because I want to give you another verse. Psalms 147 verse 11. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 147 verse 11. And I'll go on to some new, new material on how to raise children that love and serve God. Psalms 147 verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure. I'll wait on you. Psalms 147. That's right at the end of Psalms, by the way. Amen. I almost challenge those kids to memorize one, Psalms 119. Amen. Or at least read it. And uh, 176 verses. Longest book in the Bible is about the Bible and about the importance of the Bible. The Bible says in Psalms 147, verse 11 The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him in those that hope in His mercy. Did you hear that? Folks, I want to tell you something. That would make my life, and God has blessed my life with a good family, but it would make my life to realize that my children, 
that the Lord took pleasure in them. Think about it. The Lord took pleasure in them. And the Bible says He takes pleasure in them that fear Him. No pun intended. That's the Word of God. And so, folks, I believe one of the greatest blessings on this earth is to raise God-fearing children. And I mean God-respecting children. I believe today we're in a respect crisis. Amen? I believe we're in a day and age where not many things are respected and not many people are respected. How many of y'all school teachers raise your hand? Okay, amen? Has it changed in the last 10 years? I guarantee it's changed in the last 10 years. Hey, friend, it's changed so much that some teachers have to be, uh, have armed guards and, and uh, there's uh, policemen in every hallway. And folks, besides that, it's just a downright disrespectful attitude that you can't even communicate to the student uh, that he ought to learn because he's not going to respect anything or anyone. That's a crisis of respect. And so, folks, we've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to get back to a revolution of respect. Respect will free you. When the family is full of respect, there's freedom and contentment and love. You smile when she comes in the room instead of she, when she leaves the room. And, and there's respect and love. And the greatest need for a woman is love. And the greatest need for a man is respect. And when one of those are missing, the whole cycle uh, uh, breaks down. And <clears throat> one author called it a crazy cycle. Because you have so much disrespect so much lack of love that you just devour each other. That shouldn't be in the home. And I'll tell you the casualty, the children. The children. Um, we need to create a peaceful and respectful atmosphere. I'm about to give it to you in just a few sentences of how you can do that. You know, I thought about a patriotic message, and I usually preach that in, on uh, uh, Memorial Day. And that was a good testimony, Brother Al. I appreciate that. They brought it home and brought it to life. You know, they're real people. But in Psalms 33, is one of the greatest psalms in the Bible about how to have a godly nation. It even has what we have on um, uh, every coin in this verse, in these verses. But I just want to read you verses 1 through 12 real quick because folks, we'll never have a godly nation until we have godly homes. We'll never, have a godly, we'll never have godly churches until we have godly homes because all this is is a collection of homes, amen? So we need to come back to God in the home. But the Bible says, Rejoice the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely to the upright. We ought to be a nation that praises God, not Allah and not ourself. Look at verse 2. Praise the Lord with the harp. Uh, sing with, him, with the pasadri and the instruments of ten strings. That proves it's scriptural to have mu music in the house of God, church of Christ, take that and lump it, amen? But look at verse 3, sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, that's what we've got to get back to, and all his works are done in truth, now listen to this, he loveth righteousness and judgment, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, but here's the verse I want to get to, in just a few verses, it says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Folks, we're not evolved animals. We're God's creation. Say amen. Look at verse 7. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a, a heap. He lieth up the depths of the storehouse. And here it is. This is what we're going to get back to. Let all the earth, say the next three words with me. 
Fear the Lord. Say it again, class. Fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. I think America's lost its awe. We don't respect God like we used to as a nation. But I want to tell you what's happening. We're raising a generation that does not even respect their parents. And a lot of times the reason is the parents are not respectable. Number one, they're not saved. Number two, they're not full of the Spirit of God. And number three is they don't fear God, so why should the children fear God? Look at it, it goes on, For he spake and it was done, he commanded and it stood still, fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people to none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. That's the word of God. Listen to this. And the thoughts of the heart to all generations. Listen to this. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Say amen right there. And then look at the verse uh, 21. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. In God we trust. Look at verse 22. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hoped in thee. Folks, we need to raise a generation that has a hope in thee, a trust in thee, and a fear for thee. I'm not speaking King James language uh, just to be speaking it. Folks, there ought to be a, there ought to be thou art great. Thou art God. And folks, this colloquial contemporary movement's going on that's uh, casual and, and it's uh, worldly. Uh, I believe it, de- it, de- it degrades God's name. We, this is a special place, say amen. But your home is a special place. Brother Stennett Blue, who's got cancer all over his body, and he was working on his radio program last Friday from the hospital bed thinking he was going to get out with just maybe some ulcers. And this has shocked the family. It shocked all the preacher friends, and he's a gentleman and a friend. I told the uh, um, prayer meeting just a few minutes ago, I was scared of camp meters when I met him. Because sometimes when you have a camp meter preach, he cleans house, and I don't think that's the responsibility of an evangelist. I think that's what the pastor ought to do. Because then we have, we're left with the, with the people that are all mad and sad and glad, and they rip them apart, shear them. So I was scared to death. Uh, but, you know, after meeting Brother um, Stennett, and I found out he was a gentleman and so kind Amen. and a great husband and a tremendous, and I don't mean to preach in past tense to, towards him, and a tremendous father. And that impressed me. We had him every other year for missions. But he said something one time, I said, come on in, we remodeled our auditorium. He said, well, what are y'all auditioning about? He said, an auditorium is a place that you audition. I said, well, we're not auditioning for nothing. I was trying to be, you know, tough, you know, old-fashioned when come back, you know. Said, Bless God, we don't audition anyway. He said, it's a sanctuary. Amen. I said, that's a real dignified term for a camp meter. Amen. That's a real dignified term for an old boy from Resaca. I didn't say it out loud. I was thinking that. And then I said, that's pretty dignified for me, old South Georgia redneck. Uh, not West Cobb, but I mean South Georgia. And I said, sanctuary. He said, yeah, I mean sanctified, set aside for a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. And I said, well, I kind of like that word sanctuary. 
Now help me because I keep calling an auditorium all the time. But this is a sanctuary. But I want to tell you something. You ought to make your heart a sanctuary. Amen. And you ought to have your children as a sanctuary. And they ought to live in one. And so I want to give you just a few things about how to make your home a sanctuary to train up children to, to uh, glorify God and to hallow His name and fear God. Number one, create a peaceful and respectful attitude. That's the fear of God practiced in His presence. Number two, make time, make time to spend with your children. Let me tell you how to spell love. T-I-M-E. Spending time says, I love you. And spending time with your children says, I love being with you. Now, I'll just be honest with you. There's a lot of children that come to this church that never see their parents. And they don't know what they're doing. And they don't know how high they are the next night or the last night. They don't know why mama was locked up in jail. They don't have a clue. And they know that they feel so insignificant and so unloved because mom and daddy just seem not to be around. And I will tell you something, folks. We're living in a generation where a lot of daddies are not around. And a lot of mamas are around. And I respect single parents so much, especially you ladies. And I'm not trying to put you down or create any more hurt that you've been through. But there is life after divorce. But, all, but by all means, you ought to try to reconcile your marriage and you ought to try to save your marriage. And only God can do it. But I want to tell you something, friend. No matter if you're by yourself, you're not really by yourself if you have the Lord. And I know Suzanne Wesley raised 19 godly kids. And if she can raise 19, I guess we can raise four or five. Say so amen. But folks, you raise cattle, you rear children. But you need to make time. You need to make time. Number three, you need to teach, your, you need to teach God's truth as the firm foundation. To teach God's truth as the firm foundation. I read to you last week, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 10. They were going in and to the land of milk and honey. And he said, you need, you need to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. You need to put it on the front of your eyes. You need to put it on the lintel of the door. You need to put it all over the house. Now we have rock and roll stars all over the house. God help you. When I was coming up as a teenager, we had this group called The Who. And The Who were a bunch of nuts. And they would crash uh, guitars into amps. I didn't ever listen to them, but I knew all about them. No, but they'd crash the guitars. I wasn't always sanctified. And they, would, they were crazy. They were just crazy. Then we had this group called Kiss. And Kiss was even worse. They, they painted their face. Now, you know, folks, listen, if you've, got a, if you've got an ugly face, I don't blame you for hiding it. And I don't know what kind of face these, these kiss people had, because you never could see their face. They'd stick their tongue out, and they were vicious looking. I mean, they were awful looking. And all the teenagers of my day uh, just, just flocked around them and followed them. Alice Cooper had a, had a song about uh, making love with a dead corpse, and everybody, oh, Alice Cooper, what a, what a wonderful star he is. Folks, that's pollution. Amen. Say amen. So now you're hitting my rock and roll music again. Well, I'll hit it if I can. But I want to say this, friend. What you need is the truth in your home. You need the truth. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. This is Miss Lois's favorite verse. Uh, 2 Timothy, not really. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. All the books of the T's are together and they're alphabetical. That don't help me a bit, but I heard it was... It was a cute way of finding stuff. But look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, Then I call to remembrance 
the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. How many's got a mama named Eunice? Okay, Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. He starts this book, the great apostle Paul, to his great son in the ministry, Timothy, that was going to be a great pastor and a great writer of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, receiver of these epistles from the Apostle Paul. And he says, I want, I, want, I want to thank God for your background. I want to thank God for your grandmother. And I want to thank God for your mama. Now, I don't see daddy around anywhere. So, ladies, it is possible to raise a Timothy without a daddy. It's better to have a daddy and mama. Amen. But I want to say this, that you go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and you see perilous times breaking out everywhere. And if you don't believe we're in perilous times, you need to get your head out of the sand. It says, in those perilous times uh, shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Can, can somebody say amen there? Men with men and women with women, that's just not natural. Romans chapter 1. And it says, uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Folks, there's more people watching the Braves tonight than there is in church in St. Louis. Amen? Listen to this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. We had that Sunday school lesson this morning, didn't we? Helen White. Was it White? Yeah, she, she had thousands and thousands of dreams and visions. And, that, and she started the seven-day Adventist movement, worshiping on Saturday and keeping the law. And we all respect them because they're great doctors and great nurses. Some of you all work with them. They're the nicest people in the world. They'll pray with you before surgery. Every one of them. Go down there, go down there to Gordon County Hospital. They'll pray with you every time. I mean, I know they will. And that's, that's wonderful. Folks, I want to tell you something. We don't get our revelations from Helen White's visions. Uh, that's, a, that's a vain dreamer. We get it from the Word of God. I mean, we don't get it from Joseph Smith. We get it from the Word of God. So I'm going to tell you something. The foundation, and the only help your children will have is found in the same chapter, sad chapter, verse 14. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, Timothy. I added Timothy that has assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now look what else he says. All Scriptures given by inspiration, God breathed. That's why I believe in the King James Bible. It's from the Texas Receptus Byzantine text. It's preserved. Amen. All these other uh, things I can tell you, they leave out the blood, they leave out the virgin birth, they leave out Jesus, they leave out the Word of God. And they have to because they've got to make so many changes so they can get a copyright and make a lot of money. They've got to have a bunch of changes or they can't have a copyright. So they make a whole lot of changes, and those changes are detrimental. Amen. You can throw the NIV at me after the service if you want to, but I believe in the King James Bible. Amen. And it says that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, but then it says all Scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? It means it, the Lord teaches us through the Word of God what's right. What's right? You want to know what's right? The Word of God. You know who's right? God. I want to say, friend, you raise a child up to say, hey, God's right, God's Word's right. You got, you got, 
you got hopes of him having a great future. No matter what perilous times come, he will have God's word as a foundation. Point three, you need to spend time with your children, yes, but you need to spend a whole lot of time in the word of God with your children. Where is all the home devotions gone? I'll just, I'll just ask this question. Where's all the personal devotions gone? Because if you don't have a personal devotion, you shouldn't have a home devotion. Because they personally know that you're just cooking up something to teach them when you're not receiving something personally from God. Probably your home devotions need to be an overflow of your personal devotions. Amen. It says all Scripture is given is profitable for doctrine. Then it says for reproof. Now what is that? That's what's not right. And then for correction. That's how to get right. And then for instructions in righteousness, that's how to stay right. I'm just saying, friend, we need to get back to the Bible in our homes. I guarantee you, your children will not grow up and cuss you for spending too much time in the Word. They'll not rebuke you. They'll not sue you. Some of them might. Because you spent too much time in the Word of God. What they'll be regretting is that you spent too much time watching TV, too much time on the video games, and too much time traveling the country to make them Mickey Mantle. Let me just tell you, one out of a million make the major leagues. So if you're just you're dreaming that they're going to pay their way through college, I once uh, led this girl, Lord, tremendous softball player. She could hit the ball. A lot further than I ever hit it. And she was a strong girl. She'd jack it over left field fence every time. I said, man, I'm glad I won her. Lord, she might get mad at me and kill me. And I begged daddy and mama. I said, mama, daddy, don't stop missing. She just got saved. Don't miss church. Please don't miss church. Don't travel all over the country in these traveling teams trying to make her a professional or feeding your own ego because you can't hit a softball past second base. Just don't, don't miss church. They say, oh, no, 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 preacher. You don't understand. We want to send her to college, and she'll get a scholarship. She'll keep getting better and better and better and better. Well, I didn't see them. They dropped out of church. The whole family dropped out of church because they were too busy traveling to Gatlinburg, the world's uh, fastest-growing industry that brings in money to towns is tournaments. Now, get this, Tournaments. They're building more fields up in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge because that brings in more people than anything else to spend money, hotels, etc. So they didn't show up, they didn't show up, and they didn't show up. Then she got married. Had a precious little, it was a girl boy. I think it was a little boy. And I'd visit them, and I'd try to get them in church, try to get them in church. They wouldn't, wouldn't be in. She's still playing softball as an adult. And then I got the news. She left her husband. For a woman. Took the little boy and living down in Atlanta as a lesbian. I want to tell you something. She wouldn't have heard that sermon on Sunday at Whitfield Baptist Church, but she must have heard that sermon on the ball field. And you say, Well, that's very unkind, preacher. You're classifying. I, I'm just telling you the truth. You spend time with them and you become them. Say amen. You can wear pink, you can wear bowls, you can put, you can put an ear, ear ring on your right and left ear and two in your nose if you want to. But I want to tell you something, friend. God has a standard for right. God has a standard for
for male and female. God has a standard for marriage. God has a standard for love. And I want to tell you something, the standard is not the status quo. And the standard is not some professional athlete telling you how to live or some movie star or Hollywood uh, star telling you how to live. They're all leaving Georgia because we passed the anti-abortion uh, law. You know what I say to all them, including old Howie that should have stayed in Andy Griffin? I'll say goodbye and good riddance. Amen. Oh, we're going to lose thousands of dollars. I'm glad we got a governor with enough backbone to say, listen, I'm protecting the unborn. Say amen. I took a lot of guts. And I want to tell you something, friend. All the movie stars want to move. They're threatening us. So they bribed the governor and said, if you pass this law, we're leaving. We're taking thousands and millions of dollars with us. Well, hasta la vista, baby. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be thousands and thousands of children that's going to live. And they're going to smile Praise God. And they won't watch Howdy Doody on TV either while they're smiling. They'll be in the Word of God. Amen. Listen, teach God's truth. Folks, apply biblical terms. Teach them that rejection is not final. Teach them about Joseph. Teach them that peer pressure is not uh, something they can't overcome. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, teach them the love story of John that went all the way to the cross. I'm saying, friend, you can apply these lessons. You can apply the Bible and it'll change their life. It'll change their character. Character's doing what they, they, they want to do on purpose when nobody's watching and nobody knows. That's character. And folks, what we need is Christian character. Let me close. I got riled up. I was going to preach a nice little... I told my wife, I said, I feel terrible. I, I feel lazy. I feel old. This vacation's killed me. I got to take another one just to get over it. So it's going to be a nice, sweet, short message. She said, oh no. That's what she said. She said, oh, no. There she is back there in that yellow. Beautiful, beautiful lady back there uh, in yellow. And uh, she said, oh, no. Because every time I say it's short and sweet, I'll let her rip. Amen. But anyway, number three, number four, set an example. Set an example. Are you walking the walk or just talking the talk? Say amen. You want your kids to come to church? You come to church. You want kids to love God? You love God. You want kids to love the Word of God? You love the Word of God. Say amen. And folks, they might still rebel, but you can say this, praise God. I lived it, and I walked it, and I prayed it, and praise God, I was faithful, I was consistent, and I did it for God's glory. Amen. And if they're going to backslide, they'll have to do it on purpose against my will. Mm -hmm. You know, some kids, God bless them, they don't have nothing to look up to. Those precious little kids, and I was going to just... So many people didn't show up this morning. I was going to say, well, I was put it off. And then I said, no, I ain't going to put it off. If I have to make up people to honor, I'm going to give those kids a Bible. Because the only hope they have is a Bible. Because they ain't got nothing. They don't have nothing. I guarantee the highlight of their summer will be vacation Bible school. That'll be the highlight of their life, maybe. That they can come five nights in a row and get out of the hell that they live in and the chaos and the havoc that these precious little kids live in, and come to the house of God and have a good time and have, have a full meal and praise God, uh, rejoice in the Lord and learn something about Jesus. Amen. Set an example. Let me just say this real quick. You need to mirror God's image, number one. You need to set an example of what God wants in your life. You know what God wants in your life? He wants you to be like Jesus. That's the, that's the intended purpose of your life, is to become more like Him. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 
my time's already up, but I love series because I'll just take up next Sunday night right where I left off. And some of you can't stand series on the family, but I want to tell you something. If we don't get back to the family, we've had it. We've had it. I don't care how many thousands we get in church or, or how many conservative presidents that we elect. or Thank God conservative governors that we elect. Can you imagine what Georgia would be like if we'd have got that other one in? They believed in abortion. They believed in gambling. They believed in a lot of things that were wicked. The law had never been passed. And kids would still be slaughtered in Georgia. Your vote does count. I want to tell you something, friend, but more than your vote, your prayers count. Genesis chapter 1, real quick, verse 26. I have so much liberty sometimes to preach in this place, it just thrills me. I just don't want to quit. But the Bible says this. It says, let, and God said, let us make man in our image. Let us. Who's, who's us? Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why Jehovah Witnesses are so wrong saying that Jesus was a created being. Jesus has always been. He's the I am. He's not the I was. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word was with God. Jesus. But look at this. It says, let us make God in our, uh, let us make man in our, our image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl there, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You can have dominion over the creeps. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Listen to this. So here's a key phrase. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I think that's pretty clear. Transgender. I think that's pretty clear, uh, homosexual. That's pretty clear, lesbian. Folks, it's male and female. God brings male and female together. Perfect fit. It's just God's plan. Thank God. I ain't getting a holy grunt out of some of you, but I ain't preaching for your grunt or your amen. But it helps sometimes to, to you know, just act like you're for it. Amen. And I'm for male and female, aren't you? I have never, never, Wanted to kiss a man like I want to kiss my wife. Amen? Some of you, I couldn't even find your lips or your face. Come on, say amen right there. And I sure wouldn't want to kiss you. And sometimes I don't even want to hug you. Afraid somebody would get the wrong idea. Amen? But I'll tell you this, friend. I love to hug my wife, and I love to kiss her. And I, do, I need to do more of it. She always tells me that. You know, you need to kiss more. I'm getting over it, but I'm trying not to. Amen? We shake hands now. Not really. But listen, we need, to, we, need, we, need to, we need to mirror His image of male and female being one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Folks, we need to be like God. I'm going to tell you something. Children cannot contrast when they're little. All they can do is compare. And they come to Sunday school and they hear, God the Father. They go home. And it's another story. Most families today, father's not around. Number two, father's a deadbeat. Father's a cussing, smoking, doping heathen. And they say, wait a minute, father, God the father. And they say, if God the father is like my father, I don't have nothing to do with him. And so folks, what we need to be is fathers that are like God. Right. Say amen. You can change your whole, whole uh, um, home by just... Letting them see the wisdom of the Father in you.
Let them see the Father training. It gets me to my text. Proverbs 22, verse 4 and 6. Proverbs 22, 4 and 6. And I'll close with this. Proverbs 20. Are y'all interested in this? Amen. Proverbs 24, 22, verse 4. And you say, well, I'm too old. I don't have children. Well, you can teach some other parent. You can, te- you can counsel somebody. Amen. I'm, I'm going to uh, marry a couple in a camp meeting, a Redfield Tabernacle in June. And I'm making them come in on uh, Tuesday, and I'm going to set them down, and we're going to have counseling. Miss Connie's going to take the young lady, and we're going we're to counsel with them. And they got about 25 preachers in their family. It's called the Magnesis. You know, you know the Magnesis? They got preachers flowing out the window. Amen. The women in that, in that, in that uh, family preach pretty good, amen? And uh, probably the best preacher is Miss Glenda. And here's Kyle getting married, and he said, I want you to perform the wedding ceremony. I said, I know why you want me to perform the ceremony. You can't pick which preacher to do your ceremony. And I, he said, well, that's one reason, amen? But I respect your stand on the family. And so, folks, listen, we need to get back to the basics of God's Word is the plan for your marriage. And God's Word is the plan for you to bring up a child to glorify and please God. Here it is, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I didn't say that, I didn't make that verse. That's what that verse says. But you know what train up a child in the way he should go means? Walk that way first. Walk that way first. You ought to be an example. Fathers, you ought to train. Training is caught. Training is discipleship. Training is saying, hey, let me show you how to do it. Amen? I I guarantee you, Micah did not read a book on how to put up siding and how to do plumbing and how to do electrical. Please don't call Brother Travis. He won't answer your call. But I I mean, he's got so much business, he can't handle it. But I just want to say this. He, they caught it from Daddy. They watched him. They were corrected. They picked up a hammer like a man ought to pick up a hammer. Say amen. And they hit their thumb and they saw Daddy not cuss much. And, uh, not cuss. And, uh, and they said, okay, I won't cuss. I'll just bite my lip. Hit it again. Folks, we train our children to be like us. But I want to tell you something. You back up to verse 4 of Proverbs chapter 22. It says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. I'm just going to close with this. Folks, if you want to mirror the image of God, as fathers, we need to be wise. As fathers, we need to be disciplined. Because our Father disciplines us in heaven. Say amen. Aren't you glad? Or we'd be wild child. It wasn't for the discipline of God. And all of you know that you've been to the woodshed of God's correction. Say amen. I know I have. But folks, listen. When we train a child, what we're saying is, I got some humility, children, and I need to go to church. I want to tell you something. It don't work just sending your kids. You need to go with your kids. You need to take your children. A family that prays together stays together. But I'm going to tell you something. A family that sings in the choir cusses less, fusses less. Because all of a sudden when you want to fuss and fight, that song you sung Sunday comes to your heart, praise God. 
And you say, blessed assurance, Jesus is my, amen. And you look at the kids, and they think you're the biggest hypocrites in the world. You say, wait a minute, I'm singing in the choir. I better do better. I'm playing in the orchestra. I'm playing the piano, the organ. Hey, I'm preacher. I'm preacher. A preacher stood and preached this morning is beating his wife. That's a height of hypocrisy. They ought to fire his can right now. Amen. I might, I might just see to it myself. Oh, if I don't get too involved in it. I'm just saying, friend, listen. Hypocrisy will kill your authority. Train up a child in the way he should go. Walk that way first. By humility and the fear of God is riches and honor and life. They just want to be like you. And the reason they want to be like you because you're like Jesus. And you're humble enough to say, hey, listen, I fear God. Children, I fear God. So that's why you ought to show up when nobody wants to show up, Daddy, and get in the house of God and stay in the house of God. Say amen. You ought to come to prayer meeting. I'll tell you why you ought to come to prayer meeting. There's little eyes saying, I wonder if prayer is more important than the Falcons. I wonder if prayer is more important than the Braves. I wonder if prayer, prayer, prayer is more important than that dull, dry golf tournament. I wonder if prayer is more important than daddy's lazy boy on Sunday afternoon because he worked all day Saturday. He's worked six days a week. I wonder if prayer is really important. And folks, you can say prayer is important all day long, but if you don't come to a prayer meeting, you're telling your kids it's not important. Say amen right there. You let Little League come before Wednesday night service, you're saying Little League's more important than coming to the house of God. I know some of you work to dark every Every day, but on Wednesday, you knock it off at 6.30 and drag on in here and come to the house of God because it's very important that your children know that the house of God's more important than you making another dollar. Amen. That you can have a house, but you might not have a home. Say amen. amen. Folks, train up a child means you walk that way first. You mirror his image. Wives, you mirror the image of the church. He's, you're submissive. You're honoring. You're respectful. You serve. That's a bad word, isn't it? Some people try to get this out of my wedding ceremony when the wife says, and I will obey him and honor him. And try. One lady says, I wish you'd take that obey out. I said, well, you got the wrong fellow because I'm going to keep it in. Amen. Amen. She says, okay, oh, I guess I can tolerate it. She can't tolerate obedience, I guarantee you that. We've got to train up a child. And the way he should go. And that's walk that way first. Little boy was dying of leukemia. The daddy happened to be the pastor of a church. And he told a lot of people, a lot of people, they were dying. That's the hardest thing in the world for a pastor to do is go into a hospital room and say, the doctors and nurses says there's no hope. And he walked in there and he walked by this little boy's side He's about 11 years old, only been saved a couple of years, maybe three. And the pale death was already on his face. The light was coming in from the window, from the, from the street light across the street from the hospital. It was a little hospital, rural town. And he looked at him and he, he shook him a little bit because he was under high sedation because he, he was dying on his last few hours. And he looked at his little son said, son, i got to tell you something. Soon, 
you're going to be with Jesus. Tears swelled up in the little boy's eyes. and Tears were now flowing down daddy's eyes and mom about five feet behind him. She couldn't even get, stand to stand next to him. She was so broken, tears flowing down her face. The preacher, but the daddy, looked at him and said, Son, are you afraid to see Jesus? And he looked up at him and said, Daddy, no, not if he's like you. Not if he's like you. Father, bless this message. Use it for your glory. Help us to realize the importance of our home. Help us to realize the importance of fearing God. But God, help us realize the importance of setting an example for our children. To train them up and burn a great impression upon their heart that God is real, that God is right, but that God cares. God cares. And that God is love.